You're listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Here are your hosts, Fran Chismar and Tom Knezic. Welcome back to The Buzz, brought to you by the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. I am Fran Chismar. And I am Tom Knezic, and uh, this is episode 65. Today we are drinking on the job. Woo! <laughs> That's my favorite favorite kind of day. Yeah. Favorite kind of work day. So yeah, our, our boss is on vacation, so she's right. out of the office. Yeah. Also my mom, but our yeah. boss. Yeah. Um, but no, so a couple episodes ago I said how I was making a, a black cherry cordial, a wild black cherry yeah. cordial, which I collected the... The fruit off of some trees in the hedgerow right in front of my house um i let it ferment basically it was just right. that some water and the, the berries some water and then um a little bit of sugar to to cut down on the bitterness okay let it ferment for about seven days eight days i think right. and then uh then strained out all the solids and put it in a bottle and then put it in the fridge and uh here we are all right i can't so, wait <laughs> so I this is yeah our live uh our live our live tasting, taste test so. a little cheers across the table cheers. here and cheers. um all right and i'm actually drinking out of a north creek mug that I we have. got at that thing we went to a couple oh that their their 30th anniversary that's right yeah uh, it says it right on the mug 30 30 years of rooting your success and i have a so. love philadelphia mug so yeah. all right cheers all Tom. right oh, It smells alcoholic. I don't it think it's very strong. No, it. You know, it's. It's like a. Uh, it's very good, actually. I'm trying to think. Like it. It kind of reminds you. Like I wanted to say cough syrup, but that I'm makes have, it sound bad. Have some more. Yeah, I, I'm gonna have some more. Actually, yeah, I want another sip too. Yeah, it's. Um, I didn't really smell the alcohol until it got close to my lips. Yeah, and that was honestly when mm. I opened it up on day. I bottled it on day eight, and I was smell them like oh that's a little bit boozier than yeah. i thought you know, it was gonna smell but it doesn't taste that way it re- it does remind me of i know we we've talked about this on numerous episodes the the frank's black cherry wishniak soda mm-hmm. it does have that very similar yeah. taste except it's not carbonated yeah and what was interesting is when and maybe this is part of the refrigeration process mm. i do see a couple bubbles in there when i had it when i just like before i bottled it yeah. it was really bubbly oh was it like, real? super bubbly and so, that was like part of the recipe. So maybe, I, well, you got to keep it refrigerated or it'll keep fermenting. And then it'll oh, eventually go bad. Okay. So. This is going to be a really good podcast today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I have no clue what the, the strength yeah. of this is. I don't yeah. think it's very high. But, no, uh, I would imagine, you know, I, I have no idea. But I feel, like I said, I have no clue. It's, At uh, least you did put some ice in. So I put a little a ice little in. Bit. We only filled up the, the glass, I don't know, maybe it, an inch from yeah, the, the I'm, bottle. Yeah, I'm going to say like this much. But we also have the bottle right here. If we want some more, we can. Uh, that, <laughs> all right, you know what? We'll see how it goes. It's either going to be a really quick and loose podcast yeah, yeah. or it's going to be a long, rambling <laughs> mess. So. But no, it was it was a fun experiment, though. It's uh, this is really good, Tom. I've, I've really, really gotten this. into um, into just fermenting foods. Uh, I, well, I started watching a YouTube series called it's alive with brad leone which is okay. put out by bon appetit mm-hmm. and um then i was like wow why aren't why am i not doing this i enjoy cooking i enjoy making new things so i've yeah. done uh well the hot sauce we've talked about that's yeah. a fermented that, hot sauce that's everyone i've done fermented um uh, red onions too which i oh. put on sandwiches and they're awesome 
everyone then, that uh, I've shared next. your hot sauce with has loved it. Yeah. You know, it's we're we're all waiting for the so, next. So yeah, now I'm looking at batch. fermenting. I wanted to ferment. Um, what is it? Uh, uh, milkweed shoots like asparagus. Oh. I wanted to ferment them, but I forgot, and now it's way too late. Yeah. So. I'm enjoying <laughs> this. I, I I'm thinking it like. All right, I need to pace myself. Like I keep, t- I'm like, this yeah. is really good. I'm gonna have another yeah. sip, and I was like, oh, I've had a bunch of sips already. But uh, no, it's it's it came out really good. It has that if you've if you've been around a black chair, you can yeah. tell that bitterness. Yeah. Um, if but you just scratch a- it and s- smell it, you can smell it. it. Smells almost like bitter almond, and you can taste a little bit of that. It it's not extremely it tart. Sugar. It's sweet. Yeah. It's sweet with a a tad of tartness. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's really good. That's, yeah. That's so yeah, I'm, I'm gonna make some more. My wife was even saying um, that she's like, "Oh, if you fermented that long enough, would it turn into vinegar?" Which I I guess it would. But well, I'm gonna try and see vinegar. if there's a. We have a well. We bought a bottle of um, the the hickory oil from oh, Samuel Thayer right. when we had him on right after I bought that, and that is like really good on a, a salad. And oh. I'm like, oh, if we had black cherry vinegar and and hickory nut oil, that's like a little native oh. plant Ooh. salad dressing. I that's, like that. Yeah, so that might be my next experiment. But, so uh, I want you to tell the story that you told me right before we started recording. Yeah. So I'll, I'll start off first. So uh, my wife was like, you couldn't clarify why I know how to make prison <laughs> with my story? And um, yeah, so she was actually an, an educator in a, uh, in a youth uh, correctional facility. Oh, I didn't so, know that. So she was joking around about yeah. the prison hitch, but she helped um, teach English to... Uh, incarcerated youth. Okay. And um, actually, she said it was like a really, really good experience for her and uh, not nearly as scary as you would think yeah. from not doing it. But um, no, so that's how she, well, she, she kind of knew okay. how to. But she's always been interested in uh, like the criminal justice system mm-hmm. and, um, and uh, just kind of life inside prisons yeah. and how they work and how to make lives more humane i guess is a good way to put it but that led me i was i just happened to be talking about this with someone else um at a at well crass creek watershed who was also on the podcast they had a moth night at our farm uh last weekend and i stopped by and just happened to be talking to to a friend of mine and then there's another person in the conversation i was saying how i made this and they're like, oh, I could probably get you a really good recipe from one of the inmates where I work. And I was like, he was actually a, a greenhouse teacher okay. at another correctional facility. <laughs> and he was joking around about how. So apparently I made prison hooch. <laughs> just didn't do it in a, a toilet tank. I did wow. it in a jar on my counter. <laughs> well, it's never tasted better. Yeah. But it's it came out really good. Me. I'm really happy with it. Yeah, and I want to try awesome. some other stuff now. So This is awesome. Yeah. And we're still alive. Yeah. We're still alive after what ten minutes of. Listen, I'm a I'm a real lightweight, and I haven't eaten anything. I'm actually like feeling it, just a, like a little. I bit. I think you're making that up. In no, your head. I'm not. I'm not. It probably has like no alcohol content. Yeah, I, I like I said, it could be like two percent. Yeah, it's, but it could be five, six, seven. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. But, I guess we'll find out. Yeah. So anyway, I think we should move along. We we went a little longer than we expected last week, but or two weeks ago, but uh. That's not a bad thing. It was still no. it was still a good time. It, it was productive. So, but let's get into the the plans that we are vibing with this week in that's hot. That's hot. All right, you. For, you why you don't you go, go first since okay. you have your notes on the page I, and I do. I not. do. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes I don't always get a chance to walk the nursery to see what's going on. We've been we've been really busy 
lately even though it's it's more of our slower time but we have gardens all around the office mm-hmm. so i i was taking a quick stroll around the office today and one of the things that really stood out to me and it's a it's a plant i have at my my well, it's still my house technically for two more days um which is cut leaf coneflower so rudbeckia liciniata um and when and rudbecki you think of your traditional black-eyed susan or your orange coneflower mm-hmm. um like garden plant but Cutleaf coneflower gives you a little bit different of a look. It's it has the large yellow flowers, um, not as big as Maxima, but like where you get the petals starting to droop, like Echinacea, like coneflower. Um, but it's got instead of a, a black center, it's got a deep velvet brown center. Mm-hmm. Gets four to six foot tall, so it is on the tall side. It does stretch. Um, it can flop and it can be aggressive with underground shoots. So make sure wherever you're putting it, you're giving it space. Um, and what I like to do because it, it can get really tall and flop is when it's about two feet tall, I'll whack it back to a foot. Um, and it kind of just slows it down, keeps mm-hmm. it more manageable. Uh, but the nice thing about it is most, most black eyed Susans are upland plants or facultative upland. This one is actually a facultative wetland. So it's found in floodplains and moist soils. Um, and uh, the one interesting fact I could find on it was the Cherokee would boil early spring leaves for food. Hmm, um, interesting. So, like, uh, I, I thought that was pretty interesting. Something that we could try easily at some point on the podcast. Yeah. I thought, oh, yeah. and it is it is a favorite of birds. So, there's one right outside my office window. There's constantly goldfinch things like that in it. So, it's a, a wonderful plant. Uh, if you have the space, make sure you add it to your garden. Yeah, this is a plant that. I just this year it popped up in my garden at home. Did it really? Last year was Rebecca Triloba, which is um is that brown eyed Susan? I forget the common name. I can't remember. But really cool plant, easy, easy cedar. Didn't get a single one to come back this year, except in a random flower pot in my backyard that's nowhere near the where they were last year. Interesting. Beside the point. But I have a Rebecca Liciniata that popped up out of nowhere and um it towers over everything else that's yes. around it. I'm like, where the heck did you come from? But uh, yeah, that was. I actually just outside or your window there, I took a picture of. I think it's a really interesting looking fly that oh, was on it awesome. yesterday too. That was pretty cool. And that was actually my backup plant because I had a hunch that you were gonna pick my first choice. And I was like, well, if he picks the first choice, then I'll use Rebecca Salicinia. But and, you picked that one. And what's interesting is my backup plant is your first choice. So we were on the same page yeah, yeah. today, but. There are, I know with the the Rudbeckia liciniata, there are some cultivars out there mm-hmm. in the trade. I think one is herb stone, so the the center is a softer brown and is actually a much larger center to it. Mm-hmm. So it's it has a uh, a little bit more of an interesting contrast in the flower, but it, that one gets just as tall. It's, yep. um it's just more of the the look of the flower. But uh, yeah, definitely check it out. I think it shouldn't be too hard to find. I, I would imagine. think so. No. Yeah. And uh, my choice was was swamp, swamp rose mallow, which is hibiscus mashutus, and Great um, and that's another one. I love to see it. You get these like wet margins on field edges, uh, right when you're driving down the the highway in South Jersey, even in ditches along the side of the road, because it gets these like really really big white flowers yeah. on it. Some of them are pink too. Yeah, it does have that seedling variation where you could get anywhere. Yeah, from which white I've pink. heard that the pink ones are. are perfectly fine they're native and i've also been told um i forget who told me but they said that the oh the pink ones are a, a cross 
like crossbred with a non-native one. I don't. I haven't done the research to find out what's actually true. Or I did a little yeah. bit. I couldn't find anything yeah. to say that they crossbred. I've only found that they could be pink or white. But um, yeah, I've always been taught that it's either pink or white, and it's all seedling variation. But I don't know anything about crossbreeding. Yeah, so it's another plant that can get pretty big. It grows uh, really from like the southeastern U.S. all the way up, I think, in New York State, maybe even further. And uh, but it can get pretty tall. Uh, at the short end, they're going to be like three or four feet. I've seen them get taller than me. They're like seven feet tall. Um, most, I guess, most of what I see is in that like six foot to seven foot range. They they get pretty big and they'll get pretty wide too. It almost looks like a a shrub it, when it really, it's said and done because they'll get pretty wide and the stems get pretty woody as well. It is a perennial, but a lot of specs will spec it as a larger size, almost with as a shrub. Mm-hmm. So yeah. blooms from like mid to late July all the way into September. Like we said, the, the blooms are white to pink. Some of them are like even like that, like just off white, leaning towards pink too. Those are, are pretty cool. Um, and then some are super bright pink. Tends to like it in wetter areas, but I've seen it growing. And we've we've one growing right in our front garden bed, and that that's not great. that's not wet at all. I just saw that there's a whole bunch that have bloomed in the the seed dumping area. Uh, for the seed chaff dumping area behind our, our seed barn, which is right by my house. And, uh, and that's not a wet area either. And um, so I guess they, they really can take some drier conditions, but yeah. they tend to really thrive in those like wet dishes, wet yeah. ditches, wet like field margins, those kind of areas. I know we have it by the walking path um, mm-hmm. all along there. Actually, by my house. So my, my property backs up to the New Jersey Turnpike, and there's two pipelines, like an easement. And they only mow that easement once a year. Some people that mm-hmm. it's on their property, they'll mow it. But for the most part, it gets it gets left alone. And it's it, on the other side of of the road from my street. It's all hibiscus and fern, and it's just like a huge outcrop of hibiscus. And it's great. To, and it's wetter. It's it's definitely yeah. on the wet side. But it's just nice to see big swaths of that. Yeah, and it supports I think like 20 some kinds of insects and uh and I found I wanted to see if there was anything edible about it cuz I I know there's another hibiscus which is where like the marshmallow came from like yeah. what you put on some oh, more yeah. marshmallow. I thought that was extinct at this point. But yeah, I, I didn't look that up very much, but I wanted to see if this was edible. Um and uh I found a really unique uh I guess review of what it tasted like and um <laughs> Basically, you can you can eat the leaves and and the flowers, I, I guess, but it said uh, they have a mild flavor and somewhat <laughs> mucilaginous texture with a slight bitterness in the aftertaste. The leaves are rather bland and also mucilaginous. I think I'm saying that word right, um, <laughs> but have a slight hairiness to them, which detracts from the little <laughs> detracts a little from the pleasure of eating them, which I just think is very well written. Yeah. I think it's um, someone from the UK that wrote okay. that. Yeah. I don't but, think uh, I'll be trying that one. Just how they spelled flavor is with the uh, U. Oh, you. Yeah, I figure yeah. that's. Nice. Yeah, so I don't know if I'm gonna try them either. All right. But, awesome. <laughs> awesome. I think that. But it's a really neat plant, and and you is. can use it. I wouldn't put it in a super dry area, but if you have a garden with like medium moist soils, go ahead. Yeah. Give it a shot. I, I think it would work well. Again, it's it's a larger larger herbaceous plant, so it's. I just like we we talked about. You know, there's lots of pinks and purples mm-hmm. uh, and and blue. It's nice to have that large white flower when when you get it. It really stands out. So, oh yeah. So with that, let's uh, move on to this week's botany based current events. Of course, we always make it a competition. Let's move along to this or that. You can get 
Well, you can get with that. So we the the votes were huge yeah. this week. And, like, but you got the result that many of you were asking for. You wanted so, to see what would happen all right, when, so when this happened. The result is it's a tie. 12-12 tie. So the the funny thing was I was hoping it wouldn't be a tie only because and I was teasing about teasing you about this last week that I was winning 12 to 11 and the deciding vote was your wife. Your mm-hmm. your wife actually voted for me on that one. Yeah. And I thought that was because sorry. and admittedly when I was talking yeah. she 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 makes all a lot of our graphics yeah. and she's looking at this what what am I supposed to make a graphic <laughs> about? This article is all over the place, which it was. And I I said that on the podcast too. It was all over the place. There was so much going on there. But it was there was just of, so much awesome stuff yeah, going it on. It was a lot of great information. So, so we have a time we really have never discussed. We never assumed or thought that this would happen. So I don't know how you want to break the tie. I was thinking rock, paper, scissors. I, we were on the same wavelength. All right. All right. <laughs> so this is, this is a, a familiar office thing where we'll just do like rock, paper, scissors. Yeah, I, I hear all the time there's these like random bouts of rock, paper, scissors, scissors. going yeah. on. Yeah, so it just but, happens. That's that's how we settle our, settle our beef. No, so. I haven't been – no, you haven't video. been. A so part. I have to see. Are you doing like? There's it, the people who do the rock paper scissors shoot, which is yeah. what I do, and then there's people who are wrong who do rock paper scissors and shoot. Where, I, where did that come from? My son it's, was saying up in New York they do it, yeah. uh, completely different at his college. They add the and shoot, so it's it's rock paper scissors and then shoot. And like is this a, a best of one or a best of three? Well, this uh, is some great podcasting going is, on. Uh, let's do let's do. Just one. One for all, so the, we, all the marbles. Uh, all the marbles. So, right. it, so it's rock, paper, scissors, shoot. All right. All right, ready? Okay, ready? I got to get my hand high enough. One, two, three. Rock, rock paper, scissors, scissors shoot. shoot. I uh, win. Tom With wins. With a rock. Tom, rock versus scissors. Rock beats scissors. There we go. Tom <laughs> is the winner 13 to 12 this week. Congratulations. So you get to pick. I'm going to let you go first. All right. So I do want to say I was really happy with the voting and yeah. that it was close. Mm-hmm. I thought it was two fantastic articles, and even though I lost that one, I'm happy to lose. It was a great turnout. And, and, and we, I tend to like to just remind people what our articles were. So mine was on um, uh, a professor Chris. Well, actually, it was mm-hmm. Professor Chris Martin from Bucknell University and uh, his one student who was um, from Philadelphia, and how they discovered a new plant, uh, a rare bee. Yeah. And then um, we're expanding. Uh, well, just what just wrapped up was uh, Black Botanist Week, so that was what that article keyed and, in on. And mine was about a gentleman who was uh, going through a certain section of Washington D.C. and cataloging trees that were in danger of dying from invasive vines, yeah. um, which turned out to be a very large number. And it's it, it was a good study because it's one of those things that really hadn't been quantified before. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I thought two great articles. Yeah. Everyone seemed to love both articles, and they mm-hmm. had trouble choosing. And there was people who wanted to vote for both, and uh, and I'll answer that question here. You cannot vote for both. Yeah. I will never add that option because yeah. that's the, the no. cheater's way yeah. out. And there is some I, there's some backlash on Twitter mm-hmm. because uh, we're not allowing votes on Twitter. But they're heard, and we appreciate it. It just doesn't factor into the overall yeah. final count. If we had to go to Twitter and YouTube and Instagram and calculate all this stuff, we'd be here for – Longer than, than they were that's, the, that's, the last presidential yeah, election. Yeah, and, <laughs> and that's one of the perks of joining. You know, there has to be some perks of joining the Facebook group. So that's one of the perks. You get to vote in the in the uh, this or that. So, Tom, you do get to pick this week if you would like to go first or second. I'm, I, like I said, I'm going to let you go first. Okay, awesome. So 
Uh, my article this week is called Solar Emerging as a Threat to Farm Preservation by Philip Gruber, uh, the news editor at Lancaster Farming. So this is really focused more on agriculture, but it does – tie in as far as i'm concerned as far as land preservation yeah um, oh definitely so uh, again i've highlighted a few few paragraphs that i think sum it up very well yeah. instead of me uh, should i refill my drink before you start this or Ooh, that's <laughs> yeah go ahead go ahead yeah. do it I, 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 i'm we should not note that uh that this is we started this podcast at 10 30 so we're really making a big sacrifice here for, uh, yeah. for the listeners yeah. yeah i mean typically i like to wait till it leach my at least my lunch break before I crack open the prison hooch. But you know, I'm willing to make an exception for the for the love of plants. Fran keeps an old couple old milk jug, or milk jugs in his car filled with old, old limes that he got at Chipotle. All right, all right. Uh, in New Jersey, some projections have seventy seventy thousand or eighty thousand acres being converted to solar by 2050. And the state only has 150,000 atop farming ground that is not preserved. Uh, with new wind and nuclear uh, plants unlikely in the near future, New Jersey has been encouraging solar installations on roofs, landfills, parking lots, and other no-man lands. But those sites won't be enough to meet the state goals. For farmers, the pressure is going to be enormous if there are no limits placed on util- utility-scale solar projects that will consume all of the remaining really great land in New Jersey, uh, said Susan Payne, executive director of New Jersey State Agriculture Development Committee. I mean, it's existential at that point. The Board of Public Utilities has so far blocked utility-scale solar product projects on farms, but New Jersey's current incentive program is expiring. How the successor program is designed will determine how many cornfields will be converted to solar fields. Ideas include pushing solar projects towards marginal soils instead of top-quality farmland and keeping solar out of the state's designated agricultural development areas. Uh, This is an area that has been getting so much public investment trying to secure the industry of agriculture. Do we really want large holes being blown in it? Another theory holds it shouldn't matter where the solar projects go as long as the amount of farmland loss is capped. So it's really they're worried about losing farmland, but it – to me, it's it's a much larger, you know. Yes, that's that's food that mm-hmm. feeds millions of people, but it also goes into our natural lands as well. Mm-hmm. And eventually, we've talked about this before that it should be rooftops, it should be parking lots, mm-hmm. um, and and yes, it's a renewable energy that we need to figure out how to harness, but at what <laughs> at what cost? And I feel yep. that if they're going to take, because a lot of agricultural land does end up reverting back to natural lands mm-hmm. and i think if you lose that for solar you're, you're missing the point mm-hmm. i i, I yeah. think you're 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 choosing you're making the wrong choice because um, there's a ton of impervious uh pavement that that it could be capped mm-hmm. put it over put build it over highways <laughs> build yeah. it you know it's yeah. there there's a lot of things i think that could be done and instead we're taking good land with good soil mm-hmm. still and and going in the wrong direction with it and i think it's it's yes it's going to hurt agriculture but it's hurting a lot of other things as yeah because well. it, it hurts everything that goes along with agriculture yeah. and we we have seen a push there's more solar being done with uh with uh pollinator plantings underneath yes. um but really it, it all boils down to cost so it's a lot cheaper to build on on farmland which in in 
it's basically undeveloped virgin yeah. ground. So it's really, really easy. All you got to do is level it and, and put the panels up. Just putting pollinator plants underneath, you have to raise those panels up from like two feet to four feet and then put in a, a seed mix that's going to not grow over grow four feet. Because yeah. anything that gets up near those those panels is, uh, I guess, really at risk for um, one of the things I've been told was it causes risk for fire if it gets into electrical oh, okay. components at all. Gotcha. And uh, and then you get a fire, you burn everything up. And then it can also shade out the bottom of the panels if it gets too tall. So those are like two of the issues there. But um, but yeah, it's when you put it over a parking lot, you're putting it up even higher. The cost just goes way up to do it. So I understand why they want to do it there. But uh, it's the same thing's happening. We talked like probably a year ago about um, uh, warehouse development also yeah. happening on yeah. farmland. And it's there's loopholes in the the regulations where they want to incentivize people to build warehouses on on uh in developed areas already something yeah. like there was an old warehouse there there was an old factory there we use that to we're seeing it in burlington uh yeah. county where there was an old mall well tear down the mall and put warehousing there that makes sense because yeah. it's already uh used land I, I instead agree. of virgin ground so it's it would be nice to see that happen with solar panels. There's so many warehouses going up. It'd be nice to put them on top. But I was say, what I've been told is it's just it's so expensive that they it's just way cheaper to do it on farmland. But which, they're using up a lot of the farmland in our area to do this. Yeah, and I know it's not a road that you go down often, but a road parallel to mine, Gilbert Road. Mm. There's a huge solar array there. The old dairy farm across uh, in Burlington. Uh, was it? Um, I want to say Sunset Dairies or something like that. It was I something very similar to that but that's a mm -hmm. huge solar array that was a prime farm yeah. field and it's yep. it's i you know it i know it's more expensive but you look at that solar field that cropped up on on gilbert's road and if you were to put if you were to take those panels and put them on local roofs mm -hmm. rooftops for development it it was enough to cover one development you know yeah. but it, it yeah. took up all this farmland that was had much better uses mm -hmm. yeah and yeah it would, it would just be from our perspective i think solar is a great outlet yes um it offers a lot of benefits it would be nice to see it you like utilized in conjunction with some of these other things um but it, it's like i said it's just yeah. it's cost prohibitive yeah, so that's see, why they don't like, do it that way like locally for us on all of the utility poles like i know certain parts of the the country utilities are underground mm -hmm. ours where we're at still it's an older system and the and the poles are run along the road and there's solar panels on the poles where they mm -hmm. they face um face the sun and i think that's great start i know there needs to be more of it and i know we need to kind of move in that direction yeah. i just don't think we need to sell everything to Together. yeah yep so. yeah there's there's got to be a cap on on but some of it comes down to what company owns the the land and like a lot of the, that's another thing that's probably unique to new jersey is the landowners often aren't the farmers yeah um and a lot of times you'll actually get these development companies or or um or prospecting companies that will buy up the farmland rent it to the farmer and then pull it out from under them when it's time to, it's time to, to build what they want to build yeah. so yeah so, there's a lot going on there yeah so that's it i'm, I'm curious to hear your article this, yeah so this, this mine week. was uh just published on august 2nd um in the national review and it was titled bipartisan infrastructure bill which if you're you're following the news at all this is what they're talking about yeah. because it is bipartisan somewhat 
and uh, and they've really negotiated to a, a medium, I think. Um, but this bipartisan bipartisan infrastructure bill includes a 250 million um, uh, funding dedicated for invasive plant programs. Oh, I have This not is an heard article this. by Caroline Down, uh, Downey. And uh, and I hadn't heard of that too. I heard about the infrastructure bill, and yeah. I heard they were kind of quarreling back and forth, and that they reached somewhat of an agreement at least. Uh, at least when I last checked in, this was probably over the weekend. Um, and I'll read a couple passages from this article. And uh, <clears throat> so it starts: the bipartisan infrastructure package, package pending in the Senate allocates 250 million to the invasive plant elimination program, providing grants to states to clear invasive plant species that obstruct. Uh, or line roads, highways, railroads, or other ground-level transportation routes. According to the provisions language, $50 million for each of the fiscal years 2022 through 2026, totaling $250 million in taxpayer money, will be appropriated to execute the program. To be eligible to rece- receive funds, states must submit an application detailing to their, their plans to eliminate or control existing invasive plants or to prevent introduction of, of or encroachment by new invasive plants along and in areas adjacent to transportation corridor right-of-ways. Uh, preferential treatment will be given to applicants that plan to replace the removed vegetation with native flowers and plants, including those that are pollinator-friendly. Oh, nice. Uh, the bill's obscure earmark for state-level public landscaping project lends credibility to some Republicans' concerns that the Biden-backed infrastructure plan could de- uh, degenerate into a wasteful legislative boondoggle. And I only included that last package because they used the word boondoggle. boondoggle. <laughs> yeah, you got to love boondoggle. <laughs> but... um. No, it's it's great to see this happening. That it's getting recognized on a federal level. Yes, and yes. then, in my opinion, that they're actually passing that money down to the states who have their own uh, agendas for with invasive yes. plants. You look at the the Northeast and Mid Atlantic in particular. Uh, the invasive plant pressure is ridiculously higher than anything out west. Yeah. Yes, it's it's. <laughs> I've seen maps where it's like the red is bad and. And uh, and nothing is good or green is good, and it's like the East Coast is just bright red, red and then yeah. out west there you have some red patches around the cities, but other than that, it's not so bad. Um, so it's nice that that the states can kind of make their own plans. Um, I guess the biggest issue is two hundred fifty million, and especially when it's fifty million dollars a year, really isn't that much. No, um, it's not. And here's here's my problem. And and I think this is a great start. I really do. I would like to see legislation banning invasive plants, preventing it from making it worse so that the work that you're doing, you know, at least you can get ahead of it. Mm-hmm. But as long as you can still – you know, I just – someone sent me a yeah. bid yesterday uh, to quote out, and it had barberry on it. Mm-hmm. It had burning bush on it. All these plants that – in yeah. some states are banned and which uh, big, big shout out to both south carolina and uh pennsylvania um south carolina just banned the sale of bradford pear nice. and i believe pennsylvania either did or is going to to ban the sale of japanese barberry except for cultivars that are proven to be um sterile sterile yeah and uh and they're saying that bradford pear is on the chopping block next Nice. So, which is is a big step. You, you, yeah, you can't just keep putting a bandaid yeah. on it. You have to prevent the injury from happening. Happening. So, if if we can do that along with this, that's mm-hmm. fantastic. And yeah. I know that has to happen on a state level. I realize that, mm-hmm. but I think we're moving in that direction. And this is a huge step. This is an incredible step that hopefully yeah. leads to more steps. Just that it's getting recognized is a, is a good thing. Yeah. 
I wish the the number was a lot lot larger. But there was the big crux of the argument of this whole bill was um, the the GOP wanted to be like eight hundred million dollars, where the original bill that came out was at like four trillion dollars. Um, did I say eight hundred million or, or billion? Not it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. So they want eight hundred billion. That's a big difference. It's a lot. So eight hundred billion versus four trillion, and they negotiated down to about one trillion. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's only so much money there, and when you consider consider two hundred fifty million, that's only like a, a drop in the bucket for what their total spending. Mm-hmm. It would be nice yeah. to see more money dedicated to this because it is a major, major yeah. issue well, for quality of life, for transportation, for all kinds of things. And, and we've talked yeah. about it. It's not like you can just buy a machine that removes invasives. You know, yeah. it's it's a lot of handwork. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of field work. It's it's yeah. not an easy task. Um, so maybe you can actually hire more people to get ahead of it mm-hmm. and have a plan. And I'd love to see some of the invasive plant plans uh yeah. for this as yeah i'm, forward, I'm so. hoping and I, i'm i would be pretty sure new jersey is going to be submitting an application oh, for this yeah. grant um i'm really hoping that we're one of the first to do that because we have so many issues here and i hope for for you guys at home that that your state's doing the same thing yeah wonderful two wonderful articles again i actually prefer yours over mine and i kind of prefer yours so wow. Oh, there you go. Yeah. All right. We'll see how we do. Yeah. Because... We voted for each other. Yeah. <laughs> so make sure uh, we'll have this up today if you're listening on Friday for the uh, uh, in the Native Plants Healthy Planet Facebook group. So make sure you go and vote because. And of course, the choice is yours. All right. What do you, you want to do? Listener yeah, shout out. Let's do next? a shout out. All right. Listener, listener, shout out, shout out. Would, would you like to go first? Or? Yeah, sure. Okay. So, and uh, I'm going to apologize because I was, at least in my my opinion, I was able to pronounce mucilaginous earlier, but I don't know how to say my person's last name. Um, meters? It's either Meters or Meters. And that's okay. uh, my, my, my shout out goes to Rob Meters, Meters, whichever it is. Yes. Um, because he just shared a picture in our Facebook group of a uh, new mural in Jersey City, New Jersey. Uh, and it is a giant Joe Pye weed. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like it's huge and it's 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 extremely visible. Um, and the the Joe Pye weed is native to mm-hmm. to Jersey City. And but what was what was unique? I, I see you have it on the notes <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of, of what was unique about it. Yeah. So the the thing that was most unique, and I, I'm sure a good amount of people picked this out, but I don't know if everyone did. But the leaves are actually munched on. Yeah. So you can see like a caterpillar or something ate some of the, the leaves and there's some holes in the leaves, which is what we keep saying is these aren't there just to look pretty for us. They're yeah. there to look good and be habitat and food for the entire food web. So I, I love yeah. that they brought the 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 native footprint into the city to, oh, yeah. to help raise awareness. Yeah. It, it's someone you know, and Rob was saying someone very evolved commissioned that. Yes. You know, and yeah. it's and I don't know how tall that building was. I was did a quick count of the floors and I stopped after like ten. But it was like a, it looked like a thirty story building that yeah. that they had this draped on. So it's yeah. pretty it, cool. It's huge. So yeah, that Rob, thank you for that. My listener shout out uh this week is Jennifer Cabrera and and she has been posting some great articles uh she gave us some great suggestions of people who could uh come on to the podcast um and she has some great ideas i really appreciate that but mainly she votes for you she tends to she was the the vote that tied it so i'm trying to like 
some brownie points. Get, get her <laughs> yeah. to vote for, for for me a little bit, you know. And I'll well, say, to I do have to say, Jennifer, that, that Fran did have first choice on this uh, listener shout-outs. We have our script, and he typed your I, name in there first because <laughs> I was going to pick you. <laughs> and I'm like, well, we can't both, both pick that person. Yeah, I, I picked you first. You know, I, I appreciate everything you do. And, you know, if you happen to vote for me every now and then, you know, it wouldn't be a bad thing. I'm just saying. Just just throwing it out there. <laughs> Not saying I have ulterior motives. I'm just saying, along with all your great feedback and participation, yeah, if a vote fell my way, I would take it. Yeah, this was a tough week to, to just pick one. There was so was. much feedback that we got, and there was so much good stuff. Um, it, it, yeah, was, it, was, it was tricky just whittling it down to one but we got a lot of episodes to, to pick more people I, so. I agree so speaking of feedback we we got uh questions on the question and comment line i want to ask you a bunch of questions and i want to have them answered immediately it's a simple question um no i didn't hear you what was your question so we did get one question when i play it it's going to sound as if the message just gets cut off abruptly and it's because the person um started to give their phone number and i i wanted to surprisingly make sure we get that, that a lot and we uh, do get that a lot which is which is nice uh but we don't want to play it over the <laughs> air yeah we don't want to make that that uh you know and we do actually that the service we use for the yeah. comment uh question and comment line it does have caller id so we see your number as well and we can text you back uh through the service mm -hmm. as well so um yeah we'd rather not play your number we don't but then again, out. friend, you did complain long ago that that people didn't have good phone etiquette and didn't leave you know what? numbers you, and messages. So now you're kind of asking for both things. You but. know what? You're you're right. And you know, we were we just had this conversation again yesterday because, um, I, without without sounding like I'm complaining, I don't want to <laughs> turn this into a complaint. But one of the the trends I've noticed is that when you get phone calls. Like typically you'd be like, can I speak with this department or I'm having this issue? Can I speak with someone that can help me with this? Mm -hmm. That people just lead in with it. They're not even saying hello. They're just telling you this whole thing without knowing if you're the person that they even need to talk to. Mm -hmm. And it's like, when did that end? Like when did – like – and I, th I think people that, that I do deal with that – say can i speak with this person can i speak with this department are at my generation level mm -hmm. um i just think it kind of i don't know it's it's you know we talked about that when we were kids you had a, a family phone mm -hmm. and if you had poor phone etiquette your parents yelled at you <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah that's true but now your parents don't hear you on the phone so you're and you have no one to guide you what it should be like on the phone because yeah. you see who's calling you mm-hmm and it's not, you know, you didn't know who was calling. You picked it up, and it was yeah. No, that's that's a good point. Yeah, because that was like, well, we got rid of our house phone. I guess we never really got rid of our house phone, but my parents just don't answer it anymore. Yeah. But um, yeah, we growing up, we always had a house phone, and that was you're in the kitchen, and yeah. the phone rings at dinner, and you pick it up. Everyone, you got a whole audience listening to your phone call. Yeah. Now you can step outside, and you even told a story well a couple weeks ago about how. You'd like stretch the phone cord as far as you oh, could yeah. around the corner, and oh, then totally. then the better story is that your parents changed your phone number and didn't tell you for oh, two oh, months. That's, <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna save that as a secret yeah. for for later, but I'll, I was like, that would make a really good secret, I'll, so I'm gonna say, <laughs> say it right now. All right, I'm, I'm, 
you want to save it as uh, a lead-in for later? Yeah, why don't you, you say we'll have a lead-in right, so, for, for the next So time. the next not, – so because today's your turn. So yeah. when we do episode 69? Yeah. It's episode 69, I'll tell the story about my parents changing the phone number and not telling me about it. 67. <laughs> 67. Okay. Wait, 65, right? 65, yeah. Okay. Oh, man, I'm all confused. Are we really 65? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Someone right. write in. Let us know what episode, <laughs> Let us know what episode we're <laughs> All right. <laughs> all right. Um, so I'm going to play the question um, without any further conversation. Hey, uh, my name is Patrick Nemus. I'm from Hamilton, New Jersey. I was listening to the podcast, and I've been working with Hamilton Township to develop pollinator habitats on public property. Um and I was wondering if that's something you'd be, you guys would do and work with Hamilton to do that. Uh, we, they got a grant to create new habitats, um, and I love listening to the podcast, so I wanted to reach out and see if uh, potentially you, you would be able to work with Hamilton Township in developing these habitats and, and the alternative, if you have any recommendations for native shrubs and uh, wildlife that could work out in habitat like that. So, Patrick, that is a wonderful phone call. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Um I think it's a great idea. I, I do too, and I love that there's grants out there. I, I would love to know where they got the grant from because mm-hmm. I think it's great that they got a grant for for that purpose and that they're working mm-hmm. towards that. Um, and and Hamilton Township actually is a customer of ours. They have bought plants from us, so we would love to be able to supply plants towards this project because the, the provenance would be correct, um, mm-hmm. and we would have the correct native plants for the project. We have talked about on the podcast before. Unfortunately, we don't consult, and that's um, – as a wholesale business, so many of our customers are paid consultants. So for us to give that information away for free, we're kind of stealing work from our mm-hmm. customers. And we've always found it a, a conflict of interest. But that aside, if you don't know where to go and you don't have the funds budgeted or the grant money budgeted to pay for a paid consultant, there are avenues that you can go to get help to develop these plans. So. Um, Tom and I were talking about it um, off the air beforehand, and uh, was it last last buzz that Michelle Backex called in, or two buzzes ago? Yeah, yeah, come uh, on. Come for on for your cooperative extension. So call uh, Rutgers Cooperative Extension for the county you're in. I think Hamilton's Mercer County. Mm-hmm. I want to say so. Call uh, Mercer County uh, Rutgers Cooperative Extension. I'm sure they'd be happy to help you uh, generate a plan or put together uh, a plant list for. For that thing, you you can contact your local uh, soil conservation district. Mm-hmm. They they should have someone that can help, or even maybe even help secure more grant money. Yeah, for mm-hmm. for projects like that, um, Kelly Gill and the Xerces Society. Mm-hmm. I'm sure she would love to help. Uh, yeah, and even if you you don't contact them directly, they have so many resources online about how to do a lot of this stuff. Yeah. A um, couple other ones I, I threw on there was if uh, regardless where you are in the country. You're either going to have a, a native plant society or a, a wild ones chapter, yeah. um, and a lot of them they'll actually even have more local chapters to you that might have more specialized. And honestly, you might even have other people in your community who do those kind of things and are willing to either donate their time or, or enjoy just doing it as a, like a, a side thing where they don't charge anything. So, um, yeah, there's some great, inexpensive or free resources out there that you can consult to get that kind of information. And, and they're happy to be involved, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and they've mentioned it on the podcast. Kelly Gill is, has mm-hmm. given out her email address and Michelle Backix has called yeah. just saying, hey, that's this is what we do as cooperative extension. Mm-hmm. So make sure you take advantage of 
of those resources to you and you'll probably get better help than if I were to help you anyway. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fran just drinks on the job and, and kicks his feet up. And <laughs> that's about yeah, it. Yeah. You know, that's, that's well, what I do. No, that's a, it's a great idea. It's a great question. It's um, one of the things we've, we see a lot, I guess like NRCS is, uh, I've, we mentioned soil conservation districts, but not yeah. the, the NRCS. NRCS yeah. um, but they do a lot of this kind of work on larger properties and like f- at farm scale. And, uh, but there's a big need for it to be at the residential scale. Yeah. So to, to be able to put that in some place so close to, to home for us is, is pretty cool. So You know, and I know Hamilton, and I think it's at Coosier Park, uh, was a real big proponent early on of rain gardens. And they had used one of our Pinelands Nursery rain garden posters mm-hmm. as signage to to help educate what the garden was and what it was doing. And it's nice to see that they're continuing to move on with that and be progressive with that. So. I think that's wonderful. So, um, moving on to the topic, we it's it's a topic without being a topic. Would you agree? Yeah, it was. We mentioned it before. We've been getting so much great feedback, uh, especially in regards to our last buzz episode where we we're talking about our favorite places to see native plants. Uh, we got a lot of people chime in with their favorite places to see native plants. So uh, we want to cover that along with some of our omissions <laughs> that we're yeah. like, oh, how do we miss that one? No. So and yeah, it, the. Along with some other feedback we've gotten, too. Exactly. It it warms my heart. Just the feedback from last episode, as soon as it went out, people were were very happily to to lend their opinion, and it was such great feedback. So the first one uh, with our caller from last week that wanted to to do work in what they thought was an unkept park next to them, Skip Burns, uh, mentioned that as he has started to get involved as a volunteer in park systems, that there may be a plan – in place that you just don't see yet or they just haven't started Mm -hmm. yet they may be working with like trying to take care of a couple invasives and you can't just assume that the land isn't just being taken care of because Mm -hmm. that's what it looks like at first glance you know so it is really good to go to the park system and find out how you can help and how you can be involved just so you know what their plan is and if then they if they don't have a plan then you can you can help move forward. But I thought that was great feedback because that's something I hadn't even thought about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Alyssa Joy Lewis, who's super active in the, the Facebook group, uh, she gave us a whole list of things we can make wine out of. It, you know, <laughs> and, and I started writing them down, and I immediately felt like uh, Bubba from Forrest Gump because <laughs> it's like you can make elderberry wine, <laughs> beach plum wine, choke Chokeberry wine, <laughs> but she mentioned she started researching. You can make wine out of of most edible fruits. Mm-hmm. Pawpaw, uh, service berry. There were a couple of I think prickly pear. Mm-hmm. Uh, all sound great. Now you and I have had pawpaw moonshine, yep. which is phenomenal. Um, but yeah, it's I I would love to try beach plum wine. I think yeah. that sounds. Oh, yeah. I have had plum wine, American plum wine, mm-hmm. which was Agatha Agatha's brother made it. And Agatha wasn't a huge fan. I loved it. Hmm. It was it was phenomenal. Yeah. I couldn't get enough of it. And I meant to bring it in, but I drank it all. Yeah. I was going to share it. <laughs> yeah, but, that was when you you brought up the the pawpaw moonshine. I uh, someone asked about it. I I have like one swig in that yeah. bottle that I've been saving for like two years, just for like the perfect time, and uh, hasn't hasn't struck me yet. I think but, that was Richard McCoy. I think he was yeah. a disappointed. Oh, yeah, right. He didn't yeah. want to share with yeah. him. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I think he thought I made it. <laughs> no, uh, I don't okay. have the recipe. No, it um, was no, it was it was uh, a gift we got. Um, someone knew that we grew pawpaws, 
and they were in West Virginia and uh, at a liquor store. And it was, I think it was Appalachian Distillery in West Virginia yeah. made it. And they just happened to stop at a liquor store there and picked it up and because they knew we grew pawpaws and gave it to us as a Christmas gift. And, uh, yeah, that's that a great, good. That's a great Christmas gift. Oh, yeah. Um, so speaking of Richard McCoy, he uh, – when we were talking about favorite places, it wasn't necessarily – a particular place to him um it was the unexpected so he was uh talking about a, a kayaking trip he had done with his family on a lake in sussex county new jersey and just happened to come across a big unexpected patch of button bush um in the wild mm-hmm. that it's not something you see quite often but when you see it it's it's always a pleasure yeah. space especially when it's in bloom so yeah. i thought that was and and he's right. Sometimes it's the unexpected is mm-hmm. what makes it all worthwhile. Yeah. Going back to Alyssa, she had a really great idea that uh, mm-hmm. uh, my wife even chimed in on and said, oh, this is something maybe we should do. Okay. And that was uh, a lot of communities have like buy nothing groups oh, now yeah. on Facebook. Yeah. And um, and our garage is filled with stuff from <laughs> buy nothing groups. But, uh, but she was putting like collecting seed from her property and her garden putting it in little packets and labeling it and putting it on her buy nothing groups. And I think she said, said she had like 10 or 15 packets of yeah. Baptisia Australis that they went in like a matter of hours. Wow. And uh, and people just came and picked them up. And that's a great way to spread native plants. Yeah. Um, Especially if you're in a low budget. Yeah. In, inexpensively. Yeah. It's a good way to share uh, native plants with other people who may be interested in it but don't necessarily know what to get or, or where yeah. to get it. And um and really just kind of spread that like we keep saying we need more people to plant native plants that's a great way to do it if you have the seed and you're not using it and you're willing to give it away man why yeah why, why not? not yeah so. that was a fantastic suggestion um mark million mentioned uh a park right in our backyard which is the rancocas nature center and mm-hmm. we did kind of incorporate that for us we incorporated that into burlington county's parks i know it was a standalone park at one one time and I don't know if it ran into funding issues and Burlington County Parks kind of incorporated it in. But they, they do a ton of fantastic education. Um, I know mm-hmm. they helped uh, Agatha Sun with – like he did his birding merit badge mm-hmm. through Rancocas uh, Nature Center. And they have a, a lot of really great programs. I know it, I, I, it, it is a great place. It, yeah. And it's somewhere kind of tucked in where this little – patch of of woods where you don't expect to see it so mm-hmm. great choice yeah and um the other one we kind of forgot was a uh, cedar run wildlife refuge because i know they and do I, a lot and of I, native plants yeah too. and you know i i that's somewhere we go actually yeah and i yeah. do enjoy that but uh we got a bunch of feedback on instagram and i'm not reading anyone's handle because that's i can barely pronounce names <laughs> so you want me to decipher what these like random characters on a screen mean and how that's supposed to be pronounced um but some of the ones that uh, most of these ended up being in our area too was uh jenkins arboretum uh stone lay which is uh part of villanova i think yeah, I or is in so. villanova pa yeah. um you have crystal lake park which we've talked about a bunch of times a it's a great place to see some invasive plants <laughs> actually i think someone shared yeah. i i think it was bob talon shared in the facebook group an article just written about crystal lake because they were That's recipients right. yeah. of the xerces society pollinator uh, habitat mm-hmm. um, packages and they're trying to turn crystal lake into a pollinator mecca mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, which yeah. was wonderful to see. Uh, you have Lord Sterling Park, which uh, someone wrote in and said that's right outside of the Great Swamp. Oh, okay. uh, Natural Wildlife Re- Wildlife Refuge uh, up in northern Northern New Jersey. Uh, you had Bartram's Garden, uh, Garden in the Woods, which we brought up with uh, with our last episode yeah. with um, uh, I think Matt 
brought it up from, yes. from Long Island natives, and uh, and that's part of the Native Plant Trust. So that was like another just basically in, in, entire list that got brought up on on Instagram. So. That's a fantastic list. Yeah. Fantastic. So, and I'm list. sure there's way way more. You start going out west and and yeah, to, to the southeast and and Midwest. There's all kinds of places that we just aren't familiar with. So, no, so feel we, free to to let us know where where you like to go. Yeah, we appreciate all the feedback. I love that. We had so much feedback that that was our topic. This, yeah, exactly. This week. So, so um, I have no complaints this week. You will, you kind of complained there. Uh, so. Can you really count that if I didn't play the <laughs> <Yeah>. theme music? <laughs> but, but we do have a new segment oh, that'll, that'll nice. pop up every once in a while that doesn't have theme music. I'm going to try my hand at making some theme music. I think. All right, awesome. But, um, yeah, that so like two years from now we'll probably <laughs> have something ready. But uh, and uh, it's a segment I'm tentatively calling go read a bro- or grow read a book i and, like that uh, title i saw that in the notes like tom hadn't shared that with me beforehand i just happened to read ahead and yeah. saw that he added it i love that title and uh it's basically i've been listening to a lot of audiobooks i'm not reading it i'm listening but um when when your son gets old <laughs> enough we're gonna record him saying grow read a book and that's going yeah, to be yeah, the yeah. intro there so go. uh but it's it's been a funny to me i'm not listening to a lot of necessarily plant books i've listened to some but um, i was gonna actually ask when do you have time to read well that's like, yeah that's why i'm i'm listening yeah. just because i'm i'm doing other stuff and i can kind of there's so many books i want to read i just don't have the time to read them yeah. well now i can kind of multitask and listen instead of listening to music or something else yeah. i can read or listen to a book and comprehend i definitely don't comprehend it as well as if i read it but i and, and that's why yeah. I've, I've shied away from audiobooks because mm-hmm. Listen, when reading goes, um, I read painfully. Like mm-hmm. I'm slow and I have to comprehend and visualize everything before I can turn the page. So it's like the audiobooks almost go too fast for me and I can't get a mental picture mm-hmm. and it's, I lose interest. But. Yeah, but I listen to a lot of books that are either about, about nature or history or a lot of my interests and they kind of get on the fringe of, of talking about plants. Um, so the first book I wanted to bring up for the, the first edition of the segment was one I just listened to, uh, and it was 1491 by, by Charles C. Mann. Which, which I've heard of. I have, is, I have it came out it. originally in 2005. I listened to the updated version, which came out in 2016 or 2017. Okay. So there's a little bit more information and, and uh, new information that had been included a decade later from his original publishing. But 1491 um, is... is a relevant date because everyone thinks 1492 Columbus sailed the ocean blue that was when Christopher Columbus discovered America when he went to well, I guess the island of Hispaniola and um, didn't never actually touch foot in North America but that's yep. when it was discovered yep. since then we've we found out well there was Vikings that probably came over earlier there may have been um, even uh, uh, discoveries from the Pacific side even well before that uh, so 1492 isn't necessarily when uh, North America was discovered by Europeans or, or outsiders. But um, he basically wanted to paint a picture of this is what North and South America looked like at the time before European contact. Okay. And uh, really what they found out and what he details in this book is Native American life is way, way older and much more advanced than we originally thought. Um, they were saying there's estimates that were saying is like as high as 40 million people lived in wow. North and South America um, at some points, and you had these amazing cultures like the Incas, which were in in Peru and, and Chile, um, 
and and I guess Ecuador, uh, you had uh, what's the Aztecs, the Maya, the Olmec, uh, all these these cultures in South America, which if people came over the Bering Land Bridge, uh, would they would have thought taken a long time to get there. Yeah. It probably happened a lot quicker than than people originally thought. Um, and then you have a, a one of the largest cities in the world at one point was Cahokia, which is now where present day St. Louis, actually okay. on the Illinois side. Um, so, and that was like a, a, it was basically a giant farm community, but it was like tens of thousands of people lived there. So you really had these giant civilizations that were way more advanced than people thought. In fact, a lot of the agricultural technology that was found in Europe, uh, like in the 14, 15, 1600s, a lot of that was actually discovered when they came to America and brought it back. Uh, things like plows and that kind of stuff, the, the old way they had of doing it was was way less advanced, even though they had some more technologically advanced materials. Um, and then one of the things that always <laughs> drives me nuts is uh, so many of these, these traditional foods from the old world, from Europe, um, don't exist without discoveries from the new world. Uh, so everyone thinks when you think of Italy, you're thinking of pizza and, and pasta all kind of rely on tomato sauce. Tomatoes were something from, from America. So that's something they didn't have at all yeah. up until really for, when, until Columbus came over. And that was 1492. Yeah. There was no tomatoes in Europe until that point. Um, same thing with potatoes. You think of Irish culture, Polish culture. Yeah. So heavily reliant on potatoes. They didn't have that. That was something from from South America that they didn't have until it was brought to the new world. So yeah, a lot of these like old world foods don't exist without the discovery of, of or European discovery of yeah. North America. Um, corn as well was another one. And just a little deviation, the, all the genetic breeding that went into corn by native American cultures, they, they had like, a different kind of corn for every different practice like you, this was a corn you used for popping this was a corn you used for making making tortillas this was a corn you used for soup this was the corn and they all they basically modified all these corn species or maize um so that they fit the use that they wanted to have some of them were bigger and fluffier some of them were long some of them were some of them had less kernels some of them had more kernels really really unique they had like 40 or 50 different types of corn i think wow. um so, but the most, or two of the really big takeaways I had from this book that, that led more to uh, plants and like land management was that everyone kind of knows that when Europeans came to, uh, came to North and South America, that part of the reason they were able to conquer it so easily was disease outbreaks. They were bringing different germs than were seen in North America. So you had like major major die-offs of native americans from smallpox and and as well as other things i guess what people don't recognize as freely unless they've read this book or, or saw the research is that when we think of colonial times and right when the first i guess the english settlers really started to show up um that was still happening but 95 percent of the native american population had already died by that point so these places they were showing up to that really seemed like there was sparsely inhabited by Native Americans, yeah. that's because 95% of the people were gone. If, you, if the population was accurate and it was 40 million people, 
you were left with five percent of that number at the at the very most. So, and that was really because of those first, um, uh, I don't want to say conquest, but first introductions. So when Columbus came over, that disease was introduced then. So it had hundreds of years to kill all those people, and it spread very quickly because these civilizations really traded quite a bit. There was, uh, I mentioned Cahokia outside St. Louis. There was like obsidian from South America that was found there. There was stuff from all over the the continent, both continents, North and South America, that's found in the city because all the trade that happened between all these cultures. Um, So that was one thing: is that when people showed up, these, the land they were they were getting to was missing 95% of the people that had used to be there. Those people were were heavily agricultural and did a lot of land clearing and land management. So uh, when we talked to to Dr. Dwayne Estes with SGI and they were saying a lot of the historical accounts talk about settlers coming in and you had these almost savannas, not woods like we think of, but more savannas where it was, you had like 20, 40, 50 feet between tree to tree. A lot of that was because Native Americans had did that, and then this was, now it was starting to regenerate into more. The, the land had been managed for like tens of thousands of years, um, not just when Europeans showed up. It wasn't like it, it was always like that. It had really been managed quite a bit. So to think that stuck out to me now, because to think, okay, we're, we can just let this go just isn't going to happen it's been managed for yeah. for not just since for hundreds of years it's literally been tens of thousands of years that humans have been managing this land through fire through through other means through physical removal we're gonna have to keep doing that if we want to maintain it the way it is um the other thing that really stuck out to me was they talked about invasive plants in this book and uh the best way to paint that picture was when european settlers first got to kentucky they were finding European bluegrass there. Yeah, that says something, right? So, there. those first, the first journeys to the New World had carried over invasive plants that they were finding hundreds of miles inland before humans had even gotten there. Wow, that's that says a lot. <laughs> that says a lot. So, that that sounds like a fantastic book. I'm yeah, it was long. Put that on my ring. <laughs> it was, uh, and I listened to it on like one and a half speed, and it still took like. 12 hours really to, to finish wow. it was a long book but all right well i'm gonna it add was, that yeah if you if you're into history especially like native american culture yeah. and kind of putting a twist on uh on native american culture it was pretty unique it, it really dives into like the aztecs the inca um the mayans the olmecs um and then cahokia are, are probably f- some of the main talking points awesome but, well now that i've made my move and i'm all settled and the house is sold in by the time you're listening to this, it should be sold. I should have time to read. Like I'm yeah. looking forward to digging back in. I'm I'm gonna add this one to my my yeah. list. Great. I love yeah. the segment. I love the segment. Yeah, it's it's something I've been listening to a lot of these books. I listened to the the Hidden Life of Trees by Peter Wallabin, and um, that's another one on my which list, which is a, a pretty interesting book. And I listened to there's another book, Gun Germs and Steel, which is kind of how Europeans came to North America, which I only listened to it. Because I saw, well, I remember as a kid, I saw it on my dad's nightstand and thought he had read it. 
And then I said, hey, I just listened to this book that you read like years and years ago. And he's like, oh, I never read that. My friend gave it to me and I said it was too long. And I'm like, oh, man, the only the only reason I listened to this is because you said I thought you, uh, you'd read it and it was something we could talk about. Well, that's but that's one that you have to do in one. a future one. And I, yeah. But it was I kept listening to these. I'm like, man, these would be cool to bring up on the podcast. I just don't know how to bring it up. I like it. And, uh, I like this better than, so, make it than a complaint. Yeah. But now we got to keep reading books if you want to. Yeah, yeah. You want to keep doing it. So, so you want to do a pod deck? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's see what we got. My, Take, my finish up our, our my last swig here. My oh, you know what? Cheers. I'm gonna finish mine too. All right. Uh, let's see what we got here. Yeah. That's for a guest. It says play. Would you rather with a guest? Questions I would ask a famous person on the podcast. Who would be your your famous person wish list? Um, one one would, of the ones we've talked about. Like if we're talking conventional celebrities, not yeah. just our celebrities. Yeah. Um, man, I've we've talked about having uh, or trying to figure out how we can get Mark Ruffalo on. That was <laughs> then, you know I will say this. We we looked into. I reached out yeah. to the publicist. But like a speaking engagement with Mark Ruffalo was what like a hundred thousand dollars, something like that. It was yeah. like a hundred thousand dollars. He's now, getting if, that Hulk money. And... Now, now, if that money is going strictly for his environmental projects, okay, you know mm -hmm. I understand. Like if that's how you're raising money is to talk about it, but you would, it, I, it was kind of disheartening for me because I'm like, why wouldn't you want? to spread a broader message yeah like if you have the influence you have your whole well mind. i don't know if it's necessarily for talking to people like us that might be for for come speak well, at our gala about the saving the i don't know well they didn't <laughs> they didn't reach back out yeah <laughs> yeah so um another one would be um leonardo dicaprio is doing a ton of stuff with global yeah. warming yes so i think that would be an, an interesting conversation yeah and um oh there was one more so well, I don't want to say one of them because it's someone we're actually trying to to figure out how to get them on. So okay. I'm talking about the ones that I don't think we'll ever, yeah, ever get on. We'll here. never get a Leonardo DiCaprio. It's you know, it's but I would love to just know that transition of how you fell in love with the environment mm -hmm. and why that was you know, everyone has a cause that they back and, and mm -hmm. there's always a personal reason why you get involved with one thing over another. But um I would love to get listen if any of our listeners have any famous contacts that are environmentalists get them get that's our that's my next goal we got to get someone famous on this pot now mm -hmm. we've had famous people in our industry but yeah. i mean like yeah. mainstream mainstream celebrity mm -hmm. like on the podcast is that possible do you think we could ever do that eventually someone will pull there's there's got to be some celebrity who well we could maybe we reach we, out to we talked about Bette Midler. I was gonna say Bet yeah. Midler. Yeah. I was okay. I've talked about who Bet Midler is. And then I was I was about to say Bet Midler and I'm thinking, is she alive or dead? Oh and I'm like, I just don't know enough oh. about her. But I'm pretty I'm very she's confident alive. she's alive. She's, she's alive, yeah. Um, she's alive. Yeah. You know, but she would be a great person that, yeah. with with all of her efforts. Um you know, here's the thing too, a lot of these people know enough that they want to help and they hire the right people mm -hmm. then put in charge to make it happen because they have busy careers as well and maybe they're not as educated but they get the right people to 
to take care of this for mm. them. So I, you know, we we've always been put in the right hands when talking with someone. But I would love to know from someone that doesn't need to help that that has other priorities how they manage to make a difference and what their end goal is and how just what the overall how many how many of their peers have they converted to 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 help in these types of missions i would i would love that yeah i was i just did a quick google search of like environmental celebrities and i don't know a lot of them all right, throw some out. So, uh, yeah, you, I, it's mostly more because I don't know celebrities. Okay. But first, number one and two were Leonardo DiCaprio and then Mark Ruffalo. Okay. Uh, Kate Blanchett. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Come on. I'm not sure who that is. Kate Blanchett um, was in Lord of the Rings. No, I'm still drawing a blank. All right. So then okay. you had a uh, uh, Giselle Budchen. She. Oh, who, Kate. I, wait, wait. Kate Blanchett. Did you see um, Thor Ragnarok? No. Okay, never mind. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so, if we do this, we could, right. this would be a whole nother episode. All right, well, you know who Giselle. Celebrities Tom doesn't know. You Giselle, Giselle Butchin is Tom Brady's wife. Yeah. Uh, Daryl Hannah? Oh, yeah. Come on, Splash. You never saw the movie Splash? That's the one where the, where someone's the mermaid, and or, then the guy Yeah, she's the, the mermaid. Okay. She, and I remember seeing Tom that Hanks when I was a kid. Tom Hanks. Oh, it was Tom Hanks? Oh, yeah. I have no clue. Uh, <laughs> uh, Al Gore. I know who uh, Al Gore is. You know who Al Gore is. Uh, Adrian Griner? I, feel I like think I he's the guy from from um, Entourage. I think that's the main oh, character. Oh, I think yes. I, Just I've looking at his face, yes, I yeah. never really watched that show. Uh, Jack Johnson, who I, I oh, know yeah. who that is. Yeah. Um, and then the next guy, I don't know at all. Barack Obama. No, Who's no, that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Barack Obama and Elon Musk. Those were the. Okay. So I I know most of them. I just didn't know a handful. All right, so that's our our short list for yeah, for guests so. that we want to get on the show. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know what. Here's the thing. I would love to say what question, you know, I know we talked about what what led to their passion and, mm-hmm. you know, I'd love to know what their background was as a kid growing up and if, if that is where their connection came to the environment. But a lot of our guests, we do a lot of research. There, there's a lot yeah. of questions we don't know we're going to ask until we really start diving deep uh, like a week or two before the show to, to mm-hmm. know what we're going to ask. So. You know, I'd love to say I have these great questions already queued up, but I don't because I didn't do my research because I'm not sure that these people would ever be on our podcast. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's that was a pretty good show. I think we kept it pretty tight. Oh, yeah. Definitely. We're, uh, we're about an hour and seven minutes. All right. Perfect. Hour, hour, six minutes. So with that, we want to thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed listening to The Buzz. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Native Plants Healthy Planet, presented by Pylons Nursery. We're going to give a huge thank you to RJ Comer, as always, for our Buzz theme music. Make sure you stream or uh, buy RJ's music on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume your, consume your music. You can follow us on Twitter at Pineland Nursery, Facebook at Pinelands Nursery NJ, Instagram at Pinelands Nursery, and YouTube at Pinelands Nursery. We now have a, uh, the question and comment line, as many of you have now found. Uh, keep calling us at 215 215- Three four six six one eight nine. I will repeat two one five three four six six one eight nine. Ask a question or leave a comment. We'll play it on a future episode of the Buzz and answer it for you, um, or at least steer you in the right direction. Um, and let's not forget the Facebook group. We're getting close to that five hundred member mark, so I'm really excited about that. And it's been, you know, like everything else, it it goes in waves. It's mm-hmm. it's busy. It's not busy. We're in that busy uh, mode, oh, which yeah. I love. Yep. So let's keep it going there. Yeah, uh, we now have shirts. Fran's wearing his. I'm, I'm not wearing, wearing mine. mine. I, I'm wearing a well, shirt. Is this I'm on? Can that. you buy the shirt? You yet? cannot buy that shirt yet. All right. So but. I don't know if you can. 
if you're if you're watching on YouTube, you can you can see it here. That's a preview. I'm not going to yeah. tell you what it is, <laughs> yeah. but it's not for sale yet. All right. Yeah. Um, that money, or you can find them right at www.nativeplantshealthyplan.com. There's a banner right across the top that says something about T-shirts. Click yeah. that. It'll take you to the, the Teespring store. All the money that is is generated off of that is going to uh, to a lot of the nonprofits that we're having on our yeah. podcast. And we're approaching our first donation amount. I said on the, the last buzz, once we hit $500, we're going to pick someone to donate money to or maybe multiples to donate yeah. money to. We are very, very close to that awesome. number. So we just need a couple more T-shirts to go. And then, uh, then we're going to air who we're donating that money to. Awesome. Buy T-shirts, push us over the edge so yeah. we can make that donation. So you can listen to Native Plants Healthy Planet directly at www.nativeplantshealthyplanet.com. You can also check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, really wherever you consume your podcast. When you're there, please, please, please uh, subscribe, leave a review, and share this with a friend. That really, really helps. And, and three three five-star reviews this week alone. Uh, no comments, but the five-star reviews greatly appreciate oh, yeah. it. It makes a huge difference yeah. for us. So, and uh, today's secret. It's your turn this which, week. Uh, yeah, we kind of talked about friends, but he's going to save that one. Yes. Mine is um, something I've gotten really good at. It's <laughs> I, I'm really good at going to trade shows. Yeah. And uh, my skill, particular skill at trade shows, is finding the best pens. And uh, I've become like a master. And I know who has good pens now. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. You do. Yeah. You and you're you make quick work of it as yeah. well. Like yeah. you, you navigate it very well. Even and come if back people with, are in the booth, I'm able to to go get pens, and I'll literally come back with like 40 pens. And yeah. I don't buy pens. We we have pens in the like the office yeah. uh, drawer to to if you need a new pen, you go get pens. I haven't even touched that drawer. I'm, I go get these pens. I'm giving away pens because I have so many pens. I keep the best ones for myself, and then uh, then I share with everyone else. I will say. What I've noticed recently, uh, so I'm a lefty, and I'm at the angle I write, I'm a pen wrecker. Mm -hmm. Like I ruin, like very rarely, like pens just stop writing for me. And I found a pen probably like 15 years ago that I liked that they actually stopped making. Uh, and your mom found a box of them on eBay, and I finally mm -hmm. just worked through. So I'm like, oh no, what am I going to do now? I have to go back to regular pens. The pen technology has improved so much. Over the last fifteen years, <laughs> that every pen I've used since then, no issues. Good, good, no issues. So, yeah. but my my thing when I do the trade shows, I don't go for the pens. I go for the unique things. Like if there's always a lot of like water bottles, or there was one that was a fan that plugs into your iPhone, mm -hmm. which I thought yeah. was really cool. Like yeah. that kind of sunglasses. You know who who usually has some really good stuff is O'Brien and Gear. They have they great, have some really unique things. Stuff, yeah. And then uh, I'll give a couple shout outs to my my favorite All right. <laughs> companies. <laughs> <laughs> so, right right now I'm holding on to one that's uh, from Cambridge Cambridge Pacific, which is oh. a seed packet company we, we actually use. Um, uh, and then some of the other ones is uh, Ernst Seed has great. They pens. always have great giveaways. Really good yeah. pens. Uh, Plant Detectives, which is a, a oh yeah, what, what would you there are a wholesale yard up in, in, in northwest northern New, New Jersey, Jersey. Yeah. and um, very simple pens. You look at it, you're gonna say not a great pen. It's a quality pen, right, and they yeah. have a ton of the purple, so they're hard to lose. Uh, one of my favorites, and uh, it's not a company we use at all, but Winfield, which I think is a chemical company. I think so. they have some like really high end pens, and uh, that's Ooh. always a stop whenever we're at a trade show and they're there. I make sure I I key in on them and take as many as I can. Wow. I've even like talk to the people i i'm like we don't buy anything maybe your pens are great you have great so pens <laughs> just, that's what i'm here for I'm someone like i think it was gsk one year gave out flasks 
that was a <laughs> that was a great a great yeah. giveaway. I can't remember. Someone was giving away um, uh, the pencils with the the herb oh, seeds in it. A yeah, instead years of ago. an eraser, there was a packet with seed in it. Yeah, and yeah. And that was was that herbs? That wasn't herbs. No, no, because it was it's non-native seed. It's all herbs. Okay. And um, I've I've looked into making those with native plants. That was a but uh, they're really expensive to get your. That seed was a fabulous fabulous giveaway yeah. it really was i love that one because um, i got a whole box and it was like a whole that set was of herbs. yeah the so the one guy the the guy didn't know what to do and he okay. put out the whole boxes unopened yeah. it for people to take so I took not thinking oh i'm supposed yeah. to take these out of and put them in a little cup for yeah. people to take one and yeah i got a whole box and <laughs> yeah that was a fantastic <laughs> got a whole yeah. box you get a box <laughs> that was a, a banner herb yeah. here <laughs> yeah and then he was out of he was out of pencils <laughs> pretty quick, quick. <laughs> so no that was yeah, that's just one of my my unique skills. Is literally, I I get like forty pens when I, there's times I have to pace myself because I'm like I don't need to take all the pens. Yeah. For I, if they have a pen, I don't need to take them. I need to get the good ones, and then share with everyone else. Or I'll just have too many pens. I like so, it. Yeah. I like it. Awesome, awesome secret. Awesome secret. Yeah. So, all right, that is it i think that's it yeah, yeah, yeah i that's, think that wraps it up <laughs> i was gonna say friend aren't you supposed to say something yeah you gotta go first no, the, with that we are wrapped up thanks everyone i'm tom and i am fran thank you again everyone we'll see you again next time uh for a meet the guest uh, do we have it confirmed no okay no, i i wanted to ask you who who we should have on all right well we'll have that discussion yeah. out there so we'll have uh we'll see you next week for meet the guest until then keep it native Thank you for listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planted Podcast presented by Pinelands Nursery. Remember to like, share, follow, and comment.